Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and it is another Waiver Wire Tuesday, and I am once again joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, Nathan Yonke. Nate, how are you today, sir? I'm doing relatively well, although we had that Buffalo-Denver game last night that we were just talking about before we got on air, and we're going to continue to complain about it since you had Dalton <laughs> Kincaid, uh, hoping that he would go over, what, 52.5 yards, was it? 52.5 was the total, yeah, and he finished with a nice, clean 51 um, for the week, so that was, yeah, that was a lot of fun to to watch as, yeah, Josh Allen and the Bill's offense just uh, struggled. Allen, what, three three turnovers or two two picks and a fumble in this game, right? Yeah. So just, yeah, what a disaster the Buffalo offense was. Um, Josh, James Cook had a fumble as well. So just like nothing could get going for, for Kincaid. He had the nice long touchdown. I thought, you know, it's going to be easy sailing here the rest of the way. And, uh, of course, it was just uh, two yards short of what we needed from him. So that was a lot of fun. But, yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty crazy game. Yep. And I had Khalil Shakir, luckily the one that I talked about yesterday, he went under, I think it was 34.5 yards is what it was when I talked about it, but he only had 24, so whatever it was in the 30s, I was fine with the under, just unfortunately, I also had some things that relied on the Bills winning the game, so that 12-man penalty at the end uh, was not all that happy with it, but still was more of a positive night than a negative night for me anyway. <laughs> But uh, plenty of things to talk about in that game, too, though. Uh, like you were saying with James Cook's fumble, he fumbled the ball on the first play of offense, and then he was benched for the following three drives. Latavius yeah. Murray uh, took 15 of those 16 snaps. Uh, Ty Johnson took the one other snap in there. And then luckily after that point, James Cook more or less saw his usual role. We've seen at times Latavius Murray take the third down role, so that wasn't too surprising, and he's taken the short yardage work most of the season so it was not surprising to see him score that touchdown uh james cook really uh put things together on that last drive for buffalo ran five straight times gained over 60 yards just on that final drive alone so luckily any fantasy managers who were hurting because of what happened early in the game he kind of made up for it near the end there but uh, was kind of interesting to see him get benched just after one turnover, considering it's not like he's really had a history of turnovers in his career. So, like, I, understandable if someone's doing that repeatedly, that benching them might make sense, but here it really didn't. And then we saw plenty of other Bills offensive players get make turnovers throughout the game, and none of them got benched for it. So it was a little weird to see, but that's what happened with James Cook. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely weird. He at least looked explosive still when he when he came back in the game and and looked like he was running pretty hard to to try to make up for it there. And yeah, there was the second fumble that wasn't really on him. Like Josh Allen just kind of dropped it before he had a chance to put it in James Cook's chest there. So, yeah, weird game for for the Bills um offense, but yeah, Denver pulls out the win and uh you got to give them credit. They had that amazing uh, Russell Wilson throw and Cortland Sutton catch that that mm -hmm. touchdown was just unreal the the toe drag in the corner with Russ fading away um, going across the field and into the corner of the end zone was was a pretty impressive play um, obviously Javante Williams with it with a nice game here with 21 carries you love to see that from Javante also added a receiving touchdown but what were some of the other things from this Denver offense um, that stood out to you? Uh, the first big thing was Marvin Mims finally saw that increase of playing time that we've been hoping for for most of the season. 
Um, he had that huge start of the season, was catching two or three passes a game, but they were deep passes. So over the first four games, had 242 yards on nine passes, but he's only caught two passes over these past five games. His playing time didn't really increase despite how well he played in those first four games, which was surprising. Um, it had seemed like about two weeks ago that he might finally see his chance because Brandon Johnson, who Mims has more or less been competing with for playing time, uh, Johnson landed on injured reserve. So uh, their previous game seemed like the one where Mims could start to break out. And if you looked at some of the tendencies, uh, things were heading in the right direction. He was playing more in three wide receiver sets than usual, a little bit more in two wide receiver sets. It's just uh, Denver was running the ball all game, staying in a lot of two tight end sets, uh, tight end and a fullback. So weren't really using too much three wide receiver sets in their previous game. Uh, this game, they were in three wide receiver sets a ton. Um, this was the game that probably reminded me the most of the Saints old offense in terms of how much they were rotating players in and out. It was a pretty consistent different wide receivers even coming on and off the field having different pairs of wide receivers on the field since a lot of times teams will have like here are their starting two and then bring in their backup two at the same time uh, Tennessee comes to mind as a team that does that a lot but Denver it was just different pairs um, they activated Traquan Smith from the practice squad in their previous game and this game it was David Sills who was activated off the practice squad a uh, former bill player so I don't know if that played anything into it, even though he wasn't with the Bills all that long. But uh, just interesting to note there that Sills became the fifth wide receiver rather than Smith for this game. But Mims was fairly consistently on the field in three wide receiver sets. Um, everyone was rotated in and out significantly in two wide receiver sets. So this led to a big boost in playing time. He even ended up with more offensive snaps than Jerry Judy, which was noteworthy with Judy, like slowly but steadily seeing his snaps decline over the course of the season. So Mims didn't see a target in the game. He did run the ball once, but lost yards on that carry. Ideally, he starts seeing more targets because he did play really well at the start of the season. I don't know why he's not getting more involved after those first four games of something happened in there or what, but that was interesting to see. Yeah, really interesting, right? This is kind of what we were hoping for with Mims is just more playing time, right? And of course, with more playing time, didn't necessarily get the the targets or production that we were looking for, but got to figure if he, he he's able to maintain that playing time or continue to rise a little bit here, then you, you got to figure those targets are going to follow him. So that's at least a step in the right direction there for for the rookie Marvin Mims. Um, anything else from this game that, that stood out to you before we move to the waiver targets? Uh, yeah, I'll go over their tight ends a little bit as well. Uh, Adam Troutman's been kind of the main guy all season with Chris Manhurts as the second tight end in two tight end sets, with Greg Dolchich making his second stint on injured reserve this season. Uh, he's eligible to return week 12. Sean Payton recently mentioned that um, he should return at some point this season, so that's a positive. But they activated... Uh, Lucas Kroll from the practice squad for this game. First time all season that he's been on the active roster. Um, another former Saint. So if anyone was going to take Troutman snaps, it would be a different former Saint doing it. Um, we saw Kroll get heavily involved in 11 personnel. So it was a lot of passing downs that Kroll was on the field for, um, leading to a pretty sizable decrease in snaps for Troutman. This was his lowest percentage of snaps all season long because of that uh, loss in snaps in 11 personnel. So if anything, this to me kind of paves the way for Dolchich to at least take most of the 11 personnel snaps whenever he's healthy. 
now that they don't seem to want Druckmann in that personnel grouping anymore. So if you're looking for a tight end to stash on your roster, since we're trans... Can you hear me? Okay, I've lost uh, I've lost audio for for Nate here, um, but yeah, so interesting stuff there for Adam Troutman, for sure. So we before we go on to the waiver wire targets here, I am just going to read a quick ad break from our friends at Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Nate, you back with us? Nope can't hear you um we lost your <laughs> we lost your audio there nate um but we will uh we'll, we'll give you a few minutes here to, to get set up and we'll go through the waiver wire targets um starting at the top here heading into week 11 it is mr minnesota the pastronaut uh who finished as a top five fantasy quarterback in each week that he's played the Vi with the vikings um so far this season it is josh dobbs was on a bit of a heater here um and he could potentially be getting the best wide receiver back uh in football this this week as well now with justin jefferson potentially returning from injured reserve so josh dobbs rostered in just 38.5 percent of espn leagues currently just a 58.0 passing grade on the year nothing amazing and it has gone up here with minnesota 67.0 passing grade um did have three turnover worthy plays uh, in week nine and then got away with no interceptions there so that was at least uh luckily for for fantasy managers he only had the one turnover worthy play this past week so a little bit of improvement there as well um but yeah seven games of at least 40 rushing yards this season as well on both teams arizona and minnesota he's added five rushing touchdowns as well uh one in each game with the Vikings too. So, um, Nate, if you are back with us, anything you want to add on Josh Dobbs? Uh -huh. Hopefully back now. <laughs> You're back now. Yeah, different so audio, but you are back. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be the worst tech issue we've had all season long now that we're a couple months into us doing this, then I can live with that. <laughs> no problem. Um, so with Dobbs, it was an interesting week with quarterbacks in general for the waiver wire. Um, typically, I pick out the guys that I think I'm going to write about at the beginning of the week before the games even happen. And then I look at the results of all the games to see if there's anyone worth adding. And at quarterback, it really was not the case. Dobbs was basically the only quarterback that's available off the waiver wire that had anything close to a good game this past week. So just in terms of Dobbs, how he played last week, he's the clear top option. He was the player that I thought would be the clear top option coming into the week as well. And he also has a decent matchup against the Denver Broncos, which we saw them play last night. And 
if Josh Allen wasn't throwing so many turnovers, then the offense probably would have put up a bit more points and at least we're putting up yards against Denver at times. So um, even if you're just looking for a quarterback this week, Dobbs is probably the best option, but I think he's the best both short term and long term. Nice. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, we like Josh Dobbs. And then next on the list is Derek Carr. While he did leave this past week's game uh, with a concussion, the Saints are heading into a bye week um, and he'll more than likely be cleared in time for week 12. Got some good matchups ahead as well, Nate. Oh, uh, yeah. The big thing with uh, him and the last quarterback we'll talk about is the uh, matchup specifically during the fantasy playoffs. We're really getting to a point where bye weeks aren't going to be as big of a factor. We only have three more weeks with bye weeks, and some of them aren't the greatest teams that are on bye weeks, so it shouldn't hurt your fantasy lineups all that much. So starting to look more at quarterbacks who have really good matchups late in the season who could potentially help you win a fantasy championship. And I think Carr is someone who, uh, not just short-term outside of this upcoming week, but throughout the rest of the season, he has decent matchups that I think he can fairly consistently finish around quarterback 10 each week that's where he's been for the last five weeks or so he's just been playing good but not great and i think that should carry on their only team they face with a winning record over the rest of the season is the detroit lions uh the rest of the teams have losing records most of them are within the division so i think Carr probably not someone who's going to have many top five finishes the rest of the way but i think he can be a fantasy starter more weeks than not over the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm with you. You got to love the matchup stuff there for for Derek Carr and even for yeah, this next guy Gardner Minshew, um also heading into a bye week Minshew of the Indianapolis Colts rostered in uh just 9% of ESPN leagues. So what do we like about Minshew for uh the rest of the season, Nate? A similar thing. He had an okay game in Germany this past week, 18 of 28 passes, 194 yards, and interception. So a lot of that wasn't great, but the Colts were also hurting at a number of wide receiver receiver positions in general. Uh, Josh Downs was limited in the game due to injury. Alec Pierce came into the game questionable. Uh, they were missing their tight end, Andrew Ogletree, and at some point they might get Jelani Woods back. Uh, it's been kind of something that we've been hoping for all season. He's been eligible to return for about six weeks now. Uh, at one point, we got an update that he's heading in the right direction, but it was kind of a vague statement. So maybe they get Woods back at some point this season. But um, according to our strength of schedule tool, the Saints have the second best schedule for quarterbacks the rest of the season. The Colts have the best schedule for quarterbacks over the rest of the season. So the big thing with Minshew is we have seen some pretty big games out of him. Ideally, they're better when his receivers are healthier and he has some matchups that he should be able to take advantage of. Yeah, for sure. And look, it wasn't, yeah, like you said, not the best fantasy game necessarily for him, but it was his best passing grade of the year as well. In week 10, he earned an 83.6. Like you said, didn't throw a touchdown, did have an interception in there that wasn't deemed a turnover-worthy play, was on a tipped pass, but 6.5% big-time throw rate as well this past week, uh, which was his his best mark of the year as well. So some positives there for for Gardner Minshew for those um, looking to potentially add him uh, for that stretch run there. but yeah, that's our quarterbacks. Uh, let's talk some running backs here, Nate. And the top option from last week remains the top option uh, this week. It's Keaton Mitchell of the Baltimore Ravens rostered in 23.3% of ESPN leagues. Uh, tell us again about Keaton Mitchell of the Ravens. 
There. I switched my mic back, so I'm just checking to make sure that that's yep. working. Yeah, it's, okay. it's good. Awesome. It's better, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Keaton Mitchell. So uh, what we saw is him have two really big plays at the start of this last game. He had a over 30-yard uh, run for a touchdown, had a 30-yard reception. Uh, that was alone enough for him to be the best Ravens rusher and receiver out of the backfield in that game. Um, he split snaps completely with Gus Edwards in the first quarter. We did not see Justice Hill at all in the first quarter. But from that point, he was only used sparingly throughout the game, only two or three offensive snaps per quarter, which was a little surprising to see. But it's somewhat understandable considering how much time he's missed that they want to ease him into action rather than um, having him have a ton of snaps right away. Uh, John Harbaugh has already said that they want to get him more involved. They play again on Thursday night football. So we should see within the next few days how much more he gets involved. And really, he's someone to pick up, not so much because of what he'll do this upcoming week, but because of what we think he can do uh, down the stretch, potentially in the fantasy playoffs. We've seen young running backs take over backfields in the midpoints of the season all the time. And so Mitchell is someone that I think can take over and be the lead running back in Baltimore. I know it's a committee right now, but um, he's more or less overtaken Hill in the backfield already and could very well overtake Gus Edwards, especially considering Mitchell can be used in the passing game where Edwards has rarely been used in the passing game throughout his NFL career. So Mitchell can be a more well-rounded back. I think Gus Edwards will still be at the point where he's seeing close to double digit carries a game. It might get down to like seven or eight or nine carries a game. F Mitchell is playing well enough, but still F Mitchell's taking the majority of the carries and getting the passing work out of the backfield. Then he could be a potential top 15 running back over the rest of the season. And he's not someone that I think will definitely reach that point where he's the top 15 running back, but out of all the running backs up the waiver wire right now, almost everyone else requires an injury to the starting running back in order for them to really be a consistent fantasy starter where Mitchell is the one running back where all he has to do is outplay the other players who started the season as backups in Baltimore. So he just has to overtake other backups in order to become the starter. Yeah, absolutely. There, there is a ton of potential there, and we did see his his snap share increase a little bit this week, and like you said, gotten a game ahead of Justice Hill. So it's all positives there for Keaton Mitchell. We just want to see him kind of overtake Gus Edwards as the next step here, um, because yeah, he's looked good with with his touches, which is what we want to see from the rookie running backs, and now we want to see him get a little bit more playing time as well. Um, all right, another running back, and this one just barely makes the cut here, Nate. Um, probably no chance that he'll be on the list uh, next week, I'd imagine, and that is Devin Singletary of the Houston Texans, rostered in 49.8% of ESPN leagues. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys who were in that 45 to 50% range that I did not include in the article whatsoever because they were above 50% and dropped just below. Um, so definitely this is a week to check your um, check the transactions in your league, see who was cut because there are some big players who were cut in leagues that should be picked up probably ahead of these guys. But since Singletary has been lower than 50% and has slowly but surely worked his way up, and because I already wrote about him in the recap article I included in here, had 30 carries for 150 yards. Damien Pierce was out for another game, so that was big. Um, the Texans had 49 snaps in normal early down situations, which 
that is a huge number for that should that situation specifically and Singletary took a hundred percent of those snaps so this was a huge game for him in terms of volume um once Pierce is back I'm guessing this will go back to those two players splitting snaps on early downs it's possible that Singletary has earned the opportunity to see more snaps than Pierce on early downs or it might be split again so I don't expect Singletary to be reaching 150 yards too many more times over the rest of the season, if at all. But it'll be interesting to see how this split shakes out once Pierce is back. But he was seeing more playing time even before the Pierce injury. So he's at worth uh, having to see what will happen with him going forward. Yeah, for sure. And and look, the, the nice thing is, is Houston's making it pretty easy for us here with Pierce out of the lineup. There's no real mix of, of anybody else in there other than on, on those passing downs, like you said. But 75%, 81% of snaps with Pierce out, 72%, and 91% of the rush attempts as well um, with Pierce out, and then all the short yardage snaps and snaps inside the five. So nice to see there for Singletary. And yeah, if Pierce remains out, I mean, he's got to be rostered. So um Good stuff. And then next up, we have uh, Ty Chandler of the Minnesota Vikings. We know Alexander Madison left the Week 10 game with a concussion. And Cam Akers also done for year, un, done for the year. So this is one to monitor heading into Sunday night football, I believe they play this week, to see if Madison um, can clear the concussion protocol. But uh, if not, it, it's a great spot for Chandler to come in and, and see a ton of work. And maybe even if Madison is active, there could be a decent role for Chandler here, Nate. Uh, yeah, the big thing for picking him up off the waiver wire is because he's probably the best option if you are looking for a running back specifically for this week. Uh, facing the Denver Broncos, who we just saw last night, uh, James Cook reached over 100 yards, a lot of that coming in the last drive in the fourth quarter, but Latavius Murray also had a fairly good game against them as well. So Chandler, I would expect to see the vast majority of snaps and carries and targets, assuming Madison misses a game, so that's going to be huge for Chandler. Um, we're excited to see where I'll have him in my rankings later today. But even before the Madison injury, uh, Chandler was seeing roughly just as much playing time as Madison. It was a little less, but they both had eight carries before Madison's injury. So they were getting the ball a roughly equal amount of times. Uh, Chandler was looking a little bit better at that point. So I think there's still a chance that Madison is going to be up and down throughout the season like he's been these past several weeks and if Chandler starts clearly out playing Madison then there's a chance Chandler becomes the starter in Minnesota over the rest of the year and especially if Madison's missing a game this will be a huge opportunity for Chandler to prove that he should be the starter I think if Chandler ends up having a really big game against Denver that could be huge for his playing time going forward. So even though I think Chandler is probably the best option for anyone looking for a running back specifically for this week, there's also those long-term possibilities. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely with you there. Um, all right, next name on the list, another longtime contributor to the waiver wire targets list here is Zach Charbonnet, uh, rostered in 31.4% of ESPN leagues. Um, Charbonnet has now outsnapped Kenneth Walker in three straight games, but do you think that trend is likely to continue here, Nate? I think it's at least possible, but I think these last three weeks have been a bit of an anomaly in that uh, one, Charbonnet has been seeing a lot more playing time because he has overtaken DJ Dallas for the passing down role. So he's fairly consistently been playing 100% of the third down snaps, 100% of the two-minute drills, 
And Seattle's just been running a lot of plays in those two situations these past three weeks. Um, they have had the second most uh, snaps on two-minute drills over these past three weeks and have had the fourth most in third and 11-plus yards. So not all third down situations, but uh, the uh, most difficult ones where Charbonnet has been consistently on the field. We've still seen Kenneth Walker play the clear majority of snaps on early downs. We've seen Walker continue to be the goal line running back, even though he's been dealing with an injury recently. So I think his lack of production has probably been more to do with the injury than it has been to do with Charbonnet seeing a lot more playing time. I think it's just game script that's also been contributing. So I don't think this is the end for Walker, but we have also seen Charbonnet play well when he's given a chance to run the ball. He's been gaining more first downs, just grading better in general these past few weeks. So again, this could be Walker's injury, but there's a chance that F Walker's injury lingers or F this isn't Walker's injury and it's just Charbonnet outplaying Walker, then there's a chance that Charbonnet starts seeing more playing time on early downs than he's been seeing and Kenneth Walker starts seeing less. So I don't think Charbonnet is someone who can be put in fantasy starting lineups right now, but based on how well he's playing and his recent increase in snaps, um, he's a backup running back who I think has a higher chance of becoming uh, fantasy relevant without an injury than a lot of other backups. Yeah, and and like you said, Charbonnet, a bit efficient with his touches, right? Six carries for 44 yards, averaging 7.3 yards per carry this past game. We know Walker dominated the, the carries there, and then Walker probably helped his case with taking that one catch, 64 yards to the house as well. Um, so yeah, definitely an interesting um, backfield to kind of keep an eye on to see how it shakes out. But yeah, Charbonnet has played really well, um, so you like to see that uh, also from the rookies. So All right, one last group of running backs to talk about here, and we could likely talk about all three of these guys um, who fit that kind of handcuff label here, Nate. So tell us about Tajay Spears of the Tennessee Titans, Kenneth Gainwell of the Philadelphia Eagles, and Travion Williams of the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, there are three players that I will probably keep in this article for several weeks going forward unless they break out, similar to Derek Carr and Gardner Minshew. A lot of it is just looking ahead to who I think could be the high upside players late in the season. All three of these guys at this point are more handcuffs than anything. Uh, Yeah, Tajay Spears sees a lot of playing time and is a receiver, so he could have standalone value in some pretty deep leagues where you're starting a lot of running backs. But at this point, a lot of his value is more as a handcuff if something happens to Derrick Henry uh, with how well he's been playing. I think Spears would be a fantasy star if Henry were to get injured. And the Titans have the third best schedule for fantasy running backs over the rest of the season. Also the third best specifically in the playoffs. So the matchups are very favorable for Tennessee running backs. So I don't expect Spears to be someone that you can start unless something happens to Henry. But if something does happen to Henry, then he'd be huge. And we are getting to the point where there's only, I think, 12 teams that haven't had their bye week yet. So it's getting to the point where there are borderline guys where you're not starting him in your fantasy lineup in any week. So if you're not starting him, why have him on your roster? It's better to have someone who has that high upside that probably isn't going to work out, but if they do work out, they'd work out in a big way and be a big asset to your fantasy lineup. So Spears fits that. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell is available in more leagues and similarly fits that. The Eagles have a great schedule during the fantasy playoffs facing Seattle, New York Giants, Arizona Cardinals, all teams that have allowed plenty of fantasy points to running backs. And 
two of those opponents the Eagles should blow out. So even without an injury, they could use Gainwell more than usual just because Swift will be running the ball so much against those teams, assuming he stays healthy. And then the last one, Travion Williams of the Bengals, available in over 99% of ESPN leagues. So trying to pick three different guys that are available in different sizes of leagues. But I think Williams has pretty well established himself as the clear handcuff in Cincinnati, has been getting a lot of the passing down work, but has also been running the ball more than any of the other backups in Cincinnati. And similarly, the Bengals have a decent schedule for uh, running backs over the rest of the season. So if something were to happen to Joe Mixon, then I think Travion Williams could have a pretty big rest of the year. Good stuff. All right. Before we go on to the wide receivers, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill based, real money, daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players. If they will go more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Nate, uh, yeah, we talked about Dalton Kincaid, um, obviously at the top of the show, but he did hit our prize picks um, total from, from last week, which was at like 42.5. So um, that was nice to see for prize picks, but didn't hit that 50. Uh, one uh prop that that we talked about yesterday anyways we got a couple new picks uh this week and this one so i'm going with tony pollard over 0.5 rushing or receiving or passing touchdowns i mean the, the streak has to end this week for for tony pollard it's been a really rough stretch here it's kind of like a do or die game for me for pollard going against the carolina panthers who have allowed 15 rushing touchdowns on the year that's tied for the second most they're the third worst team in run defense grade in the league at 52.6. If not now for Tony Pollard, then he may never score again. So this is my, my uh, on tilt kind of do or die moment for Tony Pollard to get in the end zone this week, Nate. I wouldn't even do or die with that because they're playing <laughs> Carolina and the Cowboys season has been so ridiculous that they've been in so many blowouts, both oh, them blowing opponents out and opponents blowing them out that like we saw Rico Dowdle play the fourth quarter again. So this has been several games this season where Pollard's only played three quarters, nothing to do yeah. with his performance, just the Cowboys are either winning or losing. So it's time to put in the backup. So hopefully he is able to score though within those first three quarters against Carolina's defense. So hopefully hope once so. they get their big lead, Pollard is a part of it. Um, the one that I will go with is Derrick Henry, uh, more than 62.5 rushing yards against Jacksonville. I think Henry uh, didn't have the best week this past week, but he is someone that was on our NFL all pro team with how well he's been playing. He's kind of been going a little bit under the radar considering everyone's so excited about Tajay Spears, but Henry's still been playing very well so far this season and his opportunities. Uh, Jacksonville's defense, uh, there's only been three running backs so far that have gotten more than 62.5 rushing yards, but a, they faced a number of teams with a committee of running backs and uh, the teams that have had at least uh, had running backs with 10 or more carries. Uh, three of them have gotten over that. Three of them have gotten under and they're the guys that you would expect. It's been guys like Deion Jackson, who did not get 62.5 rushing yards against them on significant carries. And Henry's ran the ball at least 11 times in each game. More often than not, he's over that number. And 
Um, not that I pay too much attention to home and away splits, but found it interesting that he's gotten at least 80 rushing yards in all of their home games and have gotten 75 or fewer rushing yards in all of their away games. And this is a home game to Jacksonville. So uh, just based on that, he should do fine. But I think in most games he has gotten there. Jacksonville, uh, in terms of PFF rushing grade, they have a below average run defense. So I think Henry should do just fine against Jacksonville. The only thing that I might be worried about is the game scripts in Jacksonville uh, as favored to win in this game. But I think Henry, he's ran the ball at least 11 times in every game. So I think he should have enough carries in order to see more than 62.5 yards. I like it. All right. Um, at prize picks, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Go to prizepicks.com slash PFF fantasy and use code PFF fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash PFF fantasy and use code PFF fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, back to the waiver wire here. And it's time to cover some wide receivers and a player we've been talking about for a few weeks because we talk about the Patriots wide receivers a lot so much. Um, and, and especially early in the season, we wanted someone to kind of emerge on a consistent basis. And, and it was looking like Kendrick Bourne was going to be that guy. And then he tore his ACL. So our next hope for fantasy relevance in New England is Demario Douglas. Nate, uh, what do we like about this New England wide receiver? Yeah, it's nice. We've been talking about him for a while because he's been the clear top performing wide receiver out of the Patriots outside of Kendrick Bourne. But now that he's gone, Douglas has been the clear top guy. Um, started to see more playing time even before some of these injuries occurred. So he's seen pretty prime for a breakout and he just put together his best game of the season, six catches for 84 yards, uh, despite being on the injury report with an ankle injury. So it was good to see him be able to put up stats, even though the Patriots quarterbacks weren't playing all that great in general. So I think he's someone that we've been talking about for a while, have been happy with and expecting this kind of decent game out of him. And he's finally starting to put up the numbers that we've expected with the increased playing time. So I think he's someone that I'll probably get rostered in more leagues after this week. Hopefully you were able to pick him up these past few weeks when we were talking about him. But if not, now is the probably one of the last times to get him. Yeah, this this has been nice to see for for Douglas, and I know the the big concern there is obviously what that Patriots offense has been doing, that what they look like right now with Mac Jones at quarterback and and the struggles there. But for Douglas, at least eighty three percent route participation in each of the the last three games; those are all season highs for him. A thirty one percent target rate this past week. He had those six catches for eighty four yards. So you really like to see that for Demario Douglas. So definitely somebody um, that we should be looking at going forward. Uh, next name on the wide receiver list here, um, a man who was robbed uh, of a touchdown coming up just inches short of the end zone. It is Michael Wilson um, of the Arizona Cardinals, Nate. Uh, yeah, he's surprisingly available in a lot of leagues at this point. Has 435 receiving yards this season, which is 40th best among wide receivers. So just from his yards that he's had this season alone, he should be on fantasy rosters. At this point of the season, you pick up rookies and hopes that they have a good second half of the season. Amon Ross St. Brown comes to mind from a couple years ago in his rookie season where he didn't do much this start of the year and then uh, blew up at the end of the year. So those are the kind of guys that you want to target. And Wilson has already played well over the first half of the season. 
And I think it's also exciting that he's getting Kyler Murray now. Murray has a history of throwing deep passes um, in the small sample size of the game that he's had. Um, has 10.3 average depth of target compared to Dobbs, who had 8.3 during his time at Arizona. So Murray already throwing the ball deeper than uh, Dobbs was throwing. So I think Wilson has the chance to have more big games over the rest of the season since he's been a high average depth of target player. Doesn't always see as many targets. Saw six this past week, which was pretty good, but hopefully he's able to make some more big plays down the stretch. And I think he's someone who... Um, hopefully becomes a favorite target for Murray. Yeah, and look, six targets in that game, so nice to see him stay involved there with Kyler Murray. I know he had just the three catches this past week, um, but that that is promising that that Kyler Murray um, is at quarterback and still throwing him the ball as well. So good stuff. Um, all right, let's go to the seemingly never-ending carousel of wide receivers in Houston, which continues this week as uh, Noah Brown has been on fire the past two weeks and could potentially be someone uh, who can continue to be useful going forward, Nate. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I don't know what exactly to think about Brown at this point since we've seen him for seven years not do all that much and be a good complimentary receiver and then all of a sudden he's put together 250 yard games it's not just like these fluke plays where he happens to get a lot of yards he's been grading really well is now in the top 10 wide receivers in terms of pff receiving grade this season so he's someone that i can't really ignore at this point after the two games despite all the other receiving options that houston has so i think there's a chance that noah brown continues to play well even though they have nico collins and tank dell and robert woods on the roster i think we're gonna see a pretty crazy rotation between all four players where none of them are seeing quite the ideal amount of playing time all of them will probably be around 70 percent of offensive snaps but they'll find a way to make that work so I think the I think Brown probably won't be consistent one week to another because there will be games where Nico Collins has a big game or Tank Dell has a big game or there's two receivers with a big game and it's not Noah Brown, but I think he's at least capable of putting together more big games. So I raised him up in my rest of season ranking significantly. The rest of season rankings went out uh, this morning. So if you want to check that out, you can, but Noah Brown went from not being on the list to somewhere uh, right in the middle of my top 200. So I'm willing to take a chance on him just to see what happens. I'm probably still not trusting him in my, I'll probably trust him more if Nico Collins is missing another game, but if everyone's finally healthy, then I might not stop start Brown yet, but I at least want him on my roster to see what happens over the rest of the year. Yeah, this is this is a good one. I mean, the, the Texans, it's funny, too, because they've been doing like the same thing with their linebackers. So we, we talk about IDP a lot uh, uh, on the, the other episode, but injuries, rotating players, they made it a kind of a headache to sort out every week. But whoever ends up in those top spots always finds a way to be really productive. So we kind of keep chasing it and hope hope of consistency because we know the payoff is worth it. And um, for, for Noah Brown, that could definitely be the case in this offense as well. So um, kind of worth the risk there. It, somebody that won't co cost a lot to acquire either, hopefully. Um, 
All right, let's go back to the Saints here because it came out yesterday that Michael Thomas, um, who left this past week's game with a knee injury, is expected to miss, I guess, significant time. So even with a week 11 bye week, Nate, it seems that Thomas could miss a game or more here with his knee. So what does that mean for someone like uh, Rashid Shahid, who is rostered in 27.6% of ESPN leagues? So Shahid did not really see an increase in playing time due to the injury, but he did see an increase in targets, and targets have been the big thing holding Shahid back from being a more relevant fantasy receiver so far this season. Uh, we know over these past two years that he's capable of making huge plays. Had that game recently with 150 yards because he made three plays of roughly 50 yards each. So we know he's capable of doing those kind of things. It's just the consistency of not seeing enough total targets each week to accumulate enough volume so his floor is there so you can trust him in your fantasy lineup but after the injury he saw a much higher target rate and the target rates is what he's needed so i think it'll be good to see what he can do going forward seeing more targets and mixing that with the big plays he did not have a big play in this past game so if he did we'd probably be talking about him much higher on the list right now but uh, because he didn't ideally he is flying a little under the radar and also considering the saints have their bye week this week that'll probably also lead to other fantasy managers shying away if they're looking for a wide receiver specifically for this week but i think there's a chance that shahid could do some pretty big things as long as michael thomas is out so happy to pick him up just to see what he can do and especially in the right matchups uh at least gamble in starting him and hope that he has a big play to go along with some of this value definitely yeah we like that about shahid definitely got the big playability and yeah the season high 24 percent target rate really nice to see there as well with thomas out of the game but um let's head to green bay where romeo dobbs uh rostered in 40 percent of espn links has been quietly solid in that wide receiver three territory over the past few weeks while everyone is still seemingly waiting for Christian Watson to get back on track and figure it out in year two it just hasn't happened yet so guys like Dobbs um, have stepped up and, and are getting it done so Nate time to trust Romeo Dobbs here I'm not sure we're trusting him but it the Packers wide receivers are interesting. It's worth talking about Jaden Reed at the same time yeah. since Reed had the bigger game out of the two wide receivers this past week. Uh, the roles have been consistent all season long. Dobbs has been one of the two outside receivers, and Reed is only playing an 11 personnel, which makes Reed a little more susceptible to game script and the opponent, where Dobbs, he's just been scoring touchdowns and having a good target rate. The problem is a lot of the passes thrown his way haven't been catchable despite his good target rate. So um, a lot of this is on the shoulders of Jordan Love. If Jordan Love can start throwing more accurate passes, that'll be huge for Dobbs. Um, it'll be interesting to see one F Love starts playing better. If that means Watson starts playing better, or if it continues to be Reed, since Reed, a uh, first thought receiver, a lot of his work has been coming on big plays where Watson, they're trying to get him to have big plays. He's had a higher average depth of target this year compared to last year. So they're trying to get big plays to Watson. They're ending up getting at least some big plays to Reed. And then Dobbs has been the more consistent one and the guy in the red zone. So Dobbs is the one that I'm trusting the most the rest of the season because he's getting that red zone work. But I don't think we can really trust any of the Packers wide receivers until we start seeing better play by Jordan Love. But if that does happen, then Dobbs could be huge the rest of the season. 
Yeah, really interesting there for the the Green Bay wide receivers. And I was just kind of looking at like these guys coming out of their bye week, their week six bye. So over the past few weeks, week seven to 10, playing time between Dobbs and Christian Watson have been pretty similar, uh, pretty uh, almost exactly even. The target rate is the exact same at 17%. Um, Christian Watson hasn't seen as many catchable targets, which again, partly due to Jordan Love's inaccuracies and partly as a result of having a higher average depth of target as well for Christian Watson versus Romeo Dobbs. But um, yeah, Dobbs has been pretty uh, slightly better across the board, right? And and then more end zone targets for Christian Watson, which could be you know his kind of saving grace if he does convert one. It's still just the one touchdown on the year for Christian Watson. But um, like you said, it's hard to trust any of these guys right now. But Romeo Dobbs has played slightly better than um, Christian Watson, and the the numbers at least say that we could probably favor him over Watson. Although Watson definitely has the the higher upside there, right? Yep. Um, anyways, uh, speaking of converting touchdowns, Quinton Johnston uh, gets his first NFL touchdown this past week against the Lions. So a nice confidence booster for the first round rookie um, was one of the few top rookie wide receivers who hasn't really delivered for us this season, but is in the right offense to potentially get there, Nate. Yeah, we've been talking about him for a while now. Now at least he's seeing the playing time with Joshua Palmer on injured reserve. It's unclear if he will be able to return this season. So um, at now with players going on injured reserve, with the changes that have happened the last couple of years, it always feels like they'll be back in four weeks. With Palmer, it seems like that might not be the case. So Johnston should at least see plenty of opportunities over the rest of the season. It's just at this point, it's take a chance on a rookie wide receiver and hope they work out over the second half of the season. So not trusting him in fantasy starting lineups. Now we're just getting to the point of the list where you're picking up a young player and hoping something works out so that they are a fantasy starter down the line. Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. Um, just 9% and 11% target rate in the past two weeks with Josh Palmer out. So it's hard to trust them right now, but another one of those guys that could emerge here in the latter half of the season um, all right, last wide receiver on the list, Trenton Irwin, Irwin, and and this one could be important here for the Bengals on a short week playing on Thursday night against the Ravens um, because since he might be without T. Higgins uh, again this week, Nate. Uh, yes, we saw Irwin take over T. Higgins' spot for the most part. They did rotate it a little bit, but also another one of their backup wide receivers also suffered an injury, so we could see Irwin see even more offensive snaps in this game. Um, I know a lot of times we're looking at what happens in 12 personnel. The Bengals are rarely in 12 personnel. They're almost always in 11. So not too concerned about what they're doing in other personnel groupings. It's just as long as Irwin's on the field, uh, he caught two passes for 54 yards and a touchdown. So not seeing quite the volume that we would hope for, but still ended up with the touchdown and a decent amount of yards. Not the greatest matchup in the world against the Ravens, but I think this will be a game where both teams are going to have to score a lot of points. So there is a chance that Irwin could have a decent game. So this is specifically, if you're looking for a wide receiver this week and you're in a deeper league, this is a chance to pick up a starter for a team that has a fairly good quarterback. So um, specifically in those kind of leagues and those situations, if you're looking for a wide receiver right now, I think Irwin is someone that could potentially be in starting lineups in deeper leagues this week. 
Yeah, definitely. It only takes one with Joe Burrow at, at, at the helm there, right? We saw that this past week, it, only the four targets for Irwin, but one of them went for 54 yards and a touchdown, or well, one went for a touchdown to give him 54 yards on the day. So there's definitely potential there in this offense um, for Irwin. All right, one more ad break here, and uh, it is from Manscaped. Uh, cue dramatic music, public service announcement. Um, it is not a bird. It's not a plane. It's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Uh, gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you the below the waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking about a next generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave you your mind can imagine. AI is cool, but I think this might be the biggest technological advancement the world has ever seen. Um, upgrade your grooming game to the Ultra Sphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping with code pff high tech for low places manscaped um get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code pff at manscaped.com 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code pff at manscaped.com i can promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship get yours today from our folks at manscaped all right um Wrapping up here with some tight ends, Nate, and a personal favorite continues to lead the way here. Luke Musgrave of the Green Bay Packers hauls in two catches on four targets for 64 yards. Um, thanks to a couple big plays, Nate. We continue to like Mr. Musgrave here. Oh, uh, yeah, this is a little bit of uh, he's the top guy by default because this was not the best week for waiver wire tight end options. But Musgrave did catch two passes for 64 yards, uh, one of just five tight ends with 115 receiving yards and a touchdown over these past two weeks. So Musgrave has started to make some of the big plays that we were hoping to see over these past few weeks. So that's been really good to see. It's been interesting in that a lot of his work has been coming on deep passes. So it's been him. And like we were just talking about Jaden Reed making some big plays in the passing game and not as much Christian Watson. So that's been a little surprising. Uh, he's got four of seven deep passes for 126 yards this season. Uh, all of those numbers, uh, four on seven targets and the yardage all ranked second among tight ends this season, all behind George Kittle. So the big thing is he just needs to see more targets on shorter passes. Uh, his 23 receptions on short passes or passes behind the line of scrimmage rank 19th best among tight ends. So for him, it's just a matter of seeing more of those targets, which I think is at least possible. We were seeing around weeks five to seven, uh, his target rate be a bit higher than it's been the past few weeks. So we've seen enough things over the course of the season that, if he puts that all together of the target rate he had early in the season with the big plays he's been making recently, then you have a fantasy starting tight end. And it's also worth noting he is a rookie. Uh, he's had one of the best rookie seasons that we've seen uh, in recent memory. The only problem is we have Sam Laporta and Dalton Kincaid who are having even better rookie seasons. So they're overshadowing Musgrave. But if it wasn't for them, we'd be talking about Musgrave as one of the top tight ends uh, for the first foreseeable future with how well he's been playing it's only been guys like kyle pitts and his rookie season who have kind of matched the numbers of musgrave over the first 10 weeks of the season so i think musgrave is probably not someone who can be a fantasy starter right now but he is fairly close has a lot of things going his way and he is rookie with a young quarterback so there's a chance that players start playing better over the second half of the season 
Yeah, it, it's been uh, it's been nice to see from Musgrave for sure. Got his first touchdown of the year in week nine. Got his first end zone target in week 10, although not the best target. Definitely not catchable. But still, um, there's definitely potential there for Luke Musgrave uh, uh, in, in the Packers offense. All right, uh, another tight end uh, with an eye on the rest of the season. We talked about him last week as well, but potentially re- returning from injured reserve um, this coming week. Pat Fryermuth of the Pittsburgh Steelers could be eligible to play as soon as week 11, Nate. Uh, yeah, a lot of the same things we were saying last week. He was a fantasy starter last year, was not off to the best start of the season this year and the only like two games that he played in, but he has a fairly favorable schedule over the rest of the season, especially in the fantasy playoffs Uh, games against the Cincinnati Bengals, Indianapolis Colts, uh, two of the top five teams and allowing fantasy points to tight ends. So ideally he's able to start uh, playing as well as he was last year at some point, not someone that I'm putting in my starting lineup uh, at the moment, but I think down the line, he can be a fantasy starter again. And if he's playing decently well in those matchups against the Bengals and Colts, he could have some pretty big games where it matters the most. Nice. Um, All right. Another rookie tight end and another first NFL touchdown. It's Michael Mayer back on the list after mossing Jordan Whitehead in the end zone on Sunday night football. Uh, What do we like about Michael Mayer, Nate? Uh, He's just been seeing a ton of playing time these past few weeks. Uh, Finally kind of took the role from Austin Hooper on passing downs. He was consistently the run blocking tight end all season, but he finally was able to get that passing down work. Um, The only problem at this point is his target rate hasn't been all that high. Uh, He's someone that I was considering including or not including, but he scored his first NFL touchdown. So uh, after that, there's a chance that they get him more involved over the rest of the season. He has the playing time to do it. Uh, one of the problems is when he is off the field, a lot of times it is in passing situations. So that's even though he has a very high snap rate, his rock participation isn't quite as good as other tight ends who see similar snap rates as Mayer because it's Hooper coming in in some passing situations. But I think Mayer is still running enough routes to be a fantasy starter. It's just seeing enough targets to get there. Um, I think he has the talent to get there. A lot of it just has to do with the Raiders offense. So ideally things start to shift, but we'll see what happens with him. Nice. All right. Last one. Uh, those deep leagues in in need of uh, tight end and in a good offense here. Tanner Hudson of the Cincinnati Bengals saw seven targets, brought in six of them for 33 yards this past week. Uh, Nate, what did the usage look like for Tanner Hudson this week? So uh, I'll probably go over the entire season for the Bengals where we've seen Irv Smith be the primary receiving tight end most of the year. And then they have two other tight ends, more run blockers. So they've been on the active roster and Tanner Hudson has spent most of the season on the practice squad. Uh, He did start two games, or not start, but play significantly in two games when Irv Smith was injured early in the year. But it was about two weeks ago where Hudson was signed to the active roster Uh, not just a standard elevation where he's brought to the roster and then back to the practice squad. He's on the roster now. And the Bengals started doing a lot more rotating at tight end. Uh, They stuck with 11 personnel more, and it was sometimes Irv Smith, sometimes Tanner Hudson. And this past week we saw Hudson uh, catch six of seven targets, 33 yards. So it was pretty clear that they wanted to target Hudson. Uh, He's had two of the best games by a Bengals tight end so far this season, despite the fact that he hasn't played in most of the games. And uh, 
40% target rate over the past two weeks. So uh, they've really been throwing him the ball. So he's not someone that I would consider starting at the moment, considering the rotation they have. But based on how much uh, Joe Burrows seemed to trust him, it would not surprise me at all to see Hudson overtake Irv Smith as the primary tight end, uh, potentially to a point where Hudson is seeing the clear majority of snaps. And we have seen some decent games by Bengals tight ends over the recent seasons. So I think Hudson at least is possible. He could possibly have some big games and the Bengals, like we've mentioned with some of these other handcuffs or other players, they have a pretty decent schedule over the rest of the year. So that could also help Hudson. Definitely. Um, all right. So that is going to wrap up the fantasy portion of our podcast and our waiver tar- wire targets heading into week 11. Make sure you're active on those waiver wires here. It is absolutely crunch time here heading into the fantasy playoffs very soon. So uh, Nate, thank you for putting that list together uh, for us and, and anybody that missed anything at the top. Uh, Nate has the waiver wire article up on pff.com uh, right now that you can check out for free, but With the fantasy part done, we move on to our five-round draft, which we do every single Tuesday, Nate. Um, This time, we're going with the best NFL players of all time to wear the numbers 1 to 10. Um, We did, what did we do last time? We did best Marvel um, TV shows, and you did win that one. Um, So congratulations for the win there. Um, And then I I, I, I picked Moon Knight. I I, I knew that one was going to be my, my (laughs) the one that killed me, and it did. Um, All right. Anyways, best. Best NFL players of all time to wear numbers one to 10. So we could only pick one player um, for each number. And once that number is picked, we can no longer use that number. Is that right, Nate? Yep. Okay. All right. So I get the first overall pick here um, going numbers one to 10. So I, I had a couple choices where I, and I see you're wearing a Drew Brees jersey. Um, and I, I thought about uh, ruining that for you, but I'm going to go with Steve Young wearing number eight, um, three time Super Bowl champion, only one as a starter, but whatever. Um, and two time league MVP as well. So Steve Young is going to be my, my first pick here. There. And if you look at some of the metrics, yeah, we don't have PFF grades for Steve Young, but I know with his rushing performances, yeah. uh, he, deserves to be pretty high on all-time lists based on his rushing and passing since rushing is very important to a quarterback's play and he was one of the first quarterbacks to really do that well so i think a fair pick for the first overall but i will stick with my jersey so you don't get (laughs) drew Brees in the second round at first when i was doing my research i was just trying to look at hall of fame players and almost missed out on drew Brees since he's not quite eligible for the hall of fame yet but he is the best player to wear the number nine ever so starting out with the high numbers to begin with Fair. Yeah. You got to go Drew Brees here. Um, all right. Uh, the next one. So this is, it definitely gets a little tricky here. Um, oh man. I think, I think I'm going to go with, uh, I think I'm going to go with number seven. I'm going to go John Elway, um, who's another former Super Bowl champion and MVP and then obviously hall of famer here. So, um, yeah, I, it, I had a couple choices here. We'll see where you go with the next one, but I feel pretty good about putting John Elway, uh, second here. Yeah, I think that's solid for me. It felt like there were four guys that were the clear top four and you could probably put them in any kind of order and be happy with it. 
I'm going to go with Brett Favre, uh, born and raised in Wisconsin. And despite yeah. his recent legal troubles, I will still <laughs> go with Favre as one of my top picks as one of the best quarterbacks ever. And there aren't really that many other options at the number four either. So no, stick with Favre there. Yeah, definitely not a lot more options there. So yeah, I like the, uh, the Brett Favre pick here. So I think, all right, next one I'm going to go with is going to be, you know what? I'm going to go with number one. I'm going to go Warren Moon. Um, so Warren Moon, obviously, mostly in the CFL, but retired with over uh, or nearly 50,000 passing yards. But he also led the NFL twice in passing yards um, in, in the early 90s. And um, yeah, played a, a few seasons with uh, with with Houston or a, a decade in Houston, played three seasons with Vikings, two with Seattle. So um, we're going to go with, yeah, Warren Moon. Um, I feel like, yeah, I feel OK about yeah. that one. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he was in my next tier of players that I'd consider there. So I think he was a solid pick. It was, for me, it was between him and the guy that I am picking, and that's Fran Tarkenton. You got your rushing quarterback now. I'll get yeah. my rushing quarterback <laughs> at number 10. So sticking with the high numbers again there. Uh, he's another guy that a Hall of Fame quarterback, never won the Super Bowl with Minnesota, but lost a couple of them there, spent a couple years with the Giants as well. Uh he was one of the best rushing quarter. He was the clear rushing quarterback of his era. Uh, if you account for that, it is production. He goes pretty high on some all-time list as well. So even though I just said I was born and raised in Wisconsin, I will go with a Viking player for my third pick. No, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's that's where I was between for my last pick was Warren Moon or France Harkenton. So nice job um, with that one. So now it really gets tricky here, um, I think, anyways. And I might go non-QB here and see how this one works out. Um, it's definitely risky, but I'm going with number five. It's not Donovan McNabb. Um, I'm going with Jalen Ramsey, cornerback, uh, right now wearing number five for the, the Miami Dolphins, but 92.7 career PFF grade right now, including the playoffs with a 92.9 coverage grade over eight seasons. Um, Got to get some non-QB love in here. And Jalen Ramsey has been amazing. There, the number five that I would have gone with, I was going to go with Paul Horning for number five, so another non-quarterback, but... <laughs> Won't get to get him there, so instead I will go with a different old-school running back going even more old-school than Paul Horning. I'm going to go at number three, Bronco Nikurski, uh, one of the original great running backs in the NFL. So um, played a long time with the Bears, sticking with the NFC North with my last couple picks. So um, hopefully people who are voting have at least heard of Bronco Nikurski. He at least has a name that sounds so much like a football name and sounds like a running back name. So hopefully even those who have not heard of him uh, still like the name enough to vote for him, but he was one of the greats in those early days of the NFL. Nice. Nice. Good pick. Um, all right. So my last pick here, this one, it's so tough, but I'm going with the number two and a player that wore number two with the Tennessee Titans wide receiver, Julio Jones, 
Um, <laughs> uh, this is not not necessarily known for for wearing number two, but again, another one of the best wide receivers of all time, and he did wear number two. So I don't know. I don't think that's cheating. Um, but led the NFL in receiving yards uh, a couple of seasons, 2015 and 2018, I believe. Seven time Pro Bowler, three time second team All Pro, but also two time first team All Pro. Never got that uh, that Super Bowl, but um, Julio Jones is uh, my my pick here at the number for number two. Uh, yeah, that technically works, even though he hasn't been all that great of a receiver when he's been wearing number two. If anything, yeah. the number two player that I had was Matt Ryan, his quarterback for yeah, all yeah. of those years. That's who but, I thought about first, but I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to cheat a little bit here. <laughs> so that leaves me with number six, which yep. uh, is was the clear worst number out of these first 10 numbers when looking at it. Um, the player that I will go with is punter Thomas Morstead, oh. um, PFF's favorite punter, if you've followed social media these past couple weeks. But um, he wore number six throughout his career with the New Orleans Saints. He's been wearing a couple of different numbers in more recent seasons. But uh, one of the better punters over the past decade and during the PFF era. Uh, six is my favorite number, but there just haven't been that many NFL numbers that have done great with the number six. So um, I'll go with Morstead here. It was either that or like Jay Cutler as my other option, but I'd rather go with a great punter than going with Cutler. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw Cutler on a few lists and I was like, I can't, I can't go with Cutler. I, even Johnny Hecker, I think w w was a good option there um, as far as punters go. And yeah, it's, I, I think too early to put Devontae Smith on, on the list as well. So, yeah. um, all right, I got uh, Steve Young, John Elway, Warren Moon, Jalen Ramsey, and Julio Jones. And you have Drew Brees, Brett Favre, Franz Harkenton, Bronco Nagurski, and Thomas Morstead. So we'll put that poll out there today for people to vote on Twitter. Um, but yeah, that, that's going to wrap up today's episode of the pff fantasy podcast thank you all for listening uh nate thank you again for coming up with the list of players for people to choose from as we head to the waiver wire today um but before you go let everybody know what you what you have up on pff.com i have all of my recaps from this past week's games i also have the five to add five to drop five to buy low five to sell high it's the last one of those of the year with trade deadlines and a lot of leagues at the end of the week so if you are looking to make a trade now is the time to do it and i really focused that five to buy low and five to sell high on players who have either really good or really bad matchups in the fantasy playoffs so people who if you are already in a good position to make the playoffs uh, players that you should be considering either adding or trying to get rid of this week in order to give yourself the best possible uh, options of winning a fantasy championship so have that up also have rest of season rankings up so if you are looking to make a trade and are looking to do that for a more long-term thing rather than this specific week that should help you figure out what will be favorable trades for you um, we'll have the rankings for this upcoming week up on the website later today. Uh, have that in article form tomorrow, and then we'll have start set on Thursday. Beautiful. Yeah, as for me, I will have the IDP fantasy report out uh, this afternoon. So it'll have a lot of our, our IDP waiver wire targets in there as well. And then we'll I'll be back tomorrow with the weekly IDP preview. Back with Kate on Thursday um, doing the, the offensive preview as well. So uh, check those out for sure. And then thank you all again for listening. And until next time, peace out.